Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. Unfortunately, not too much football, not too much Norwich City to actually talk to you about in these strange times. But we wanted to have a catch-up with you guys. We'll do our best to keep in touch with you during uh, the sort of... I know it's not quite a lockdown at this stage, is it? But the coronavirus health precautions and restrictions, it's... um, Lots of uh, lots of things to take in at the moment. So we firstly thought we would keep things in football context. I am your host, Dave Freezer. We're also coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM. I am not alongside, but digitally, virtually connected um, from various different parts of Norfolk to Tony Thrussell, Paddy Dabbitt and Connor Southwell. Fellas, how are we doing? How's the working at home? Bored of it already, Dave. Well, Bored of it already. Not happy. <laughs> Cabin fever. Was it day three, day four? Um, never do I miss your smiling faces more in the office <laughs> than, uh, than now. So, yeah, it's uh, obviously, you know, we're trying to bring some normality and, dare I say, humour to it, but we all know how serious the situation is, so that's the way it's got to be. But, uh, yeah, it's just as... As all of society are finding out, it's a very um, strange, bizarre, surreal situation. Um, football's not immune to that, but um, not the most important by any stretch. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to see how it's going to change anytime soon either. Which I think, if if there was an end point in this, and we now knew, and the scientists and the government could give a bit more clarity, but it sounds like we're just at the start of what could be a very long journey. Mm. Tony, a bit, bit weirder for you in that you're just into a new house, aren't you? Or are you still in your old house at the moment? No, I'm I'm in the new house now, but it's, it's, it's kind of replicating what's going on in the supermarkets. It's quite bare at the moment. Oh. Um, <laughs> and obviously you're not wanting to splash money on furniture when you, you probably should be thinking about other things at the moment. So, yeah, but echoing what Paddy said, you know you're bored when uh, you're wishing you're at live services on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Connor, I'm, you're at the football manager station, I'm guessing. Uh, just, just about, yeah, I'm, I'm there. So uh, hope, hopefully, uh, I can, I can get on with that later this afternoon. Actually, once, uh, once we've dived through what we need to dive through today. But yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat really. Just hoping to go out at some point and, uh, <laughs> and uh, get back into get back into civilization because it feels a bit like a, a start of an apocalypse to be honest out there at the moment well um we should probably point out as well we've had a bit of a change um you may have seen on social media that um i've moved over to our news team for the time being um I, i've got three years experience as a news reporter so um it's obviously an unusual time for the edp and, and archon as a media organization uh, all our reporters are working from home now unless there's a uh, good reason not to. Um, fortunately from us as, uh, in sport, we're kind of well set up for that already because we're, we're kind of used to working from home occasionally and, and obviously working on the move out and about. So I'm, I've, have to, I've had to sort of leave sports desk temporarily. We don't know how long that will be. Of course, we'll come on to that shortly in terms of Euro 2020 being postponed, becoming Euro 2021 and what that means for, for the club game. We'll come on to that shortly. Um, but just in terms of sort of being isolated and stuff. I, I did go into the office yesterday because I needed to have a catch up with our our news colleagues about how, you know what they were expecting from me and, and catching up with, with things and, and it was a really weird atmosphere in the office. You guys were all working from home weren't you but it, it almost had this sort of um, 
a slightly delirious state, like the last day of term at school. Everyone was sort of chatting about this and that and, and not really sure how to sort of express themselves while, of course, being very busy with stuff. Um, the, the, one, the one thing that we're sort of going to get an insight in this sort of scenario we are now is, is sort of is the isolation almost, isn't it? It's the um, sort of feeling of being a little bit alone, Pad. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, um, I don't think any of us have got anything to draw on unless, I don't know, I can think the only thing par- comparable maybe is a kid if you had chicken pox or whatever and you, you know, you wasn't allowed to leave yet. I think my sister had it. I don't think I ever had it, actually. Is that good or bad? I can't remember now. Uh, I had it. Alex Tetty had it not long ago, didn't Yeah, he? yeah. Had it as an adult, and which is incredibly rare. That is, yeah. But um, but as you say, you know, the usual social norms, even something as should be routine and quite mundane as going to the supermarket. That was like uh, that was like a military operation yesterday. I had to, I had to end up going to three or four different supermarkets, which probably wasn't in the current guidance the best thing to do. But what 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 can you do? You know, you hear reports of, and we all know that the most vulnerable are the elderly in this. So the science and the government tell us, and you know, you get these anecdotal reports of queues forming at six a.m. in the morning of elderly people at supermarkets. It's, it's, you know, it's just there's a lot of people drawing parallels, and we had the chancellor yesterday, obviously with um, that massive financial package of assistance, and, and it's all getting drawn. The only parallel that's getting drawn is like we're on a wartime footing now. This was how it was in the Second World War. I was watching Newsnight last night, and to veer off into politics and, and the sort of the sums that potentially the government could end up having to borrow are basically on a par. The only other parallel was what happened in the Second World War. And, you know, that the lines that this is not just a UK thing, it's not a Europe thing, this is everybody in the world is now going through this to some degree. And because of that, it's... Uh, as you said there, just on a very micro level, you go into an office and, and it does feel very surreal. But... Um, what can we do? We, we've been given the advice. We just have to follow it and hope that the people who should know a, a bit more about these things are giving us the right advice and that we do get through it. But to reiterate what I said at the start, you know, that, I mean, purely we're talking here in, in football terms and the Premier League suspension last Friday with the EFL and the FA and Women's League. Uh, we'll look, review it on April the 3rd and 4th. Well, it's not going to happen, is it? Let's be honest, because now you're being told about, you know, until a vaccine becomes clear, we're going to be basically living with this and maybe having to go through periods of self-isolation or social um, distancing until a vaccine is here. And if there's no vaccine until, I don't know, 12, 18 months, I know there's various countries now saying that they're beginning testing or very exploratory testing, but this is the new reality. We might have to be doing what we're doing to a greater or lesser extent for the next 12, 18 months. And within that context, to bring it back to football, very hard to see where football progresses for me. Yeah, um, this it feels like quite a a leveler almost. You know, you hear that um, Idris Elba, Tom Hanks, Justin Trudeau, you know, top uh, famous people in the world uh, have have been diagnosed with it, and it's such a varying thing as well. So everybody feels like they're in the same boat. And along that theme, with the social distancing coming in, uh, I had a a strange Tuesday night because my my grandma lives uh, alone in sort of a retirement complex. And her phone had stopped working. She she's got sort of early stage dementia, that kind of vibe. She's not been of great health. She has had a, had a, a couple of small strokes, and we couldn't get in contact with her, which is obviously always concerning. And I, um, I live in Sprouse, and she lives in Thorpe. My my mum's currently stranded in Florida, where they were on holiday, but they um they're not sure when they're going to get home. 
and my uh, my only other living um, uh, aunt is um, uh, down in Suffolk. So she said, "Can you pop round checker?" And she she had uh, been sent a new Wi-Fi router, and it totally confused her. She thought it was like a speaker for her phone, and had tried to set it up, and basically taken herself offline. So she, a couple of days, she was sort of quite self isolated. But because of this. Um, social distancing. I had to be really careful. You know, I washed my hands when I was in the building. When I got in a flat, obviously no hugs or kisses or anything like that. Keeping distance. And as I was driving away, I was like, "Well, this is the sort of thing we're all in the same boat." In terms of, had I and in a way, you know, transmitted the virus to my grandma, and it was to have the worst effect. Imagine how hugely guilty you're going to feel. So th this is just the early stages of it, isn't it? We're all, as I say, in, in the same boat. I, I then went to. Sainsbury's in, in Thorpe St Andrew and it was it was like an apocalyptic scene I was on the phone to my sister and I was like oh my word there's nothing here there was no, no nothing fresh and I ended up walking out with the most random basket of shopping you know from because all the staples had sort of gone so do, you do know, you know what, like expensive ham do, and no, no no and do, no, no do you know what I ended up getting two packets of alpha bites I haven't eaten them since I was about eight <laughs> Yeah. Well, the one that I found funny, people uh, have sort of panic-bought baked beans. Uh, they're all gone, but the sugar-free baked beans were there. Right. <laughs> What's wrong with sugar-free baked beans? You can't make beans? people buy them. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I went to um, Tesco, I think it was on the weekend, and I was specifically on my list that had orzo, this type of pasta. Went down the pasta aisle, everything was gone except one packet of orzo. So I was I was in it. <laughs> there was, um, what's the pasta when it's uh, a wholemeal pasta? There was one box of penne wholemeal pasta on the shelves. Um, and all the cheap booze had gone. Um, so, uh, yeah, I even, I thought, I, I'm going to get a bottle of whiskey in for this time. <laughs> it might be needed if this stretches on. But no, um, I'm seeing um, packs of Corona piled up by the entrances to a lot of stores as well. So Really? Don't know if that's subliminal messaging from on their part. Mm, yeah, I, I know their sales have gone down. I think it, it's a little mm. bit of fake news, isn't it, that people are not buying it because of an association. I think it's more that they, um, the countries like China and stuff, just weren't buying beer in general, wasn't it? Yeah. And it sort of fit the narrative. But I think Corona's all right. But you, you kind of it needs a, needs yeah, a hot, hot day for a barbecue, really. Yeah, doesn't I think I don't, on that note though, the supermarket staff and I mean we're in a fortunate position where we can work from yeah. home. But I mean every morning my girlfriend's off to the vets to go work, and yeah, I sort of feel quite uh, not guilty, but a bit like a stay-at-home uh, husband at the moment and getting dinner ready for when she's home. And it's, it's quite therapeutic in a way. But I, I do feel for those people that are kind of in amongst it every day, aren't they? That's going to be the next stage, isn't it? My, my girlfriend works in Norwich City Centre and she works in a clothes shop and, yeah, they're, they're expecting at some point that they're going to close because they're not going to have the business, are they? So, um, anyway, let's bring it round to the football. Um, Euro 2020 cancelled. Connor, um, you were sort of across this yesterday as things broke and, uh, essentially, it, it's pushed back till next summer uh, really to, to give leeway for the clubs. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's, it's definitely to, to allow the domestic seasons across Europe to, to be completed, which I think is, is probably the right move and probably the move that, that everyone would uh, would want. I'm sort of working up some Tony Mowbray quotes as we speak, and I think he's he's a really... His 
Blackburn Riverside is perhaps a really pertinent example in, in how this is affecting people because people have spoken about a 22-team Premier League. But Blackburn Rovers are 10th in the Championship and three points off sixth. So three points off the playoffs, essentially, um, for their short promotion. So it just goes to show that it is affecting teams at, at different levels. So I think whatever conclusion that people perhaps have in their heads, I don't think there's a, a just way of doing it except for completing the season. And, and that is what this move has, has been allowed to do. I think regardless of how long it takes or um, if it goes into the summer and we're sitting at Carrow Road in our shorts and sombreros and sunglasses. Sombreros? It needs to happen. Exactly, yeah. It needs to happen, doesn't it? Because, I mean, Norwich can... I mean, Norwich, again, are another example of people it can affect because they can technically finish above Manchester United. It's, it's not going to happen, but mathematically it's possible. So there's still so many variables um, for me that you can't just even avoid the season and say, right, let's go again. Um, but equally, I, d- I don't think you can really say, OK, well, we're going to um, push these two teams into the Premier League. So that's that's what the Euros has done. It's essentially freed up the summer, which I'm sure everyone will agree is, is the sensible and right thing to do. Yeah, I think that the general vibe is that the clubs now appreciate they've got to get the season done, haven't they? Because it's yeah. just going to be a minefield to try and keep everything... Um, moving forward from there there'd be you know legal challenges financial challenges contracts all that stuff in the mix would just be so difficult my, my con- concern i suppose and from i think probably my opinion i, I think the most likely thing we're going to see happen is that it's going to be played out behind closed doors and and streamed to the nation via via various channels pad what's your sort of yeah. reading on the situation well on that front i mean a lot of this obviously we're not party to what's going on. There's a Premier League meeting scheduled for Thursday. We're sat here Wednesday morning. And the reality is, you know, a lot of the stuff you're hearing is around that they've got clearly been paid from the broadcast companies for a 38-game season. If that wasn't to happen, then clearly those clubs are probably going to have to uh, give back some sizable chunks of money. So, sadly, money is at the heart of a lot of these decisions, I'm sure. And if that is the case, then that scenario might have to be the way they go because... I'm sure clubs won't want to lose out on massive amounts of money, which they might not even be able to. You know, there's a lot of talk about clubs overextend themselves at all levels of the game, and Norwich probably aren't one of those. But I think the majority um, would not be able to kind of budget or would have budgeted for a full Premier League season. So that's fine, but I don't see how that's possible behind closed doors for the simple reason that. Um, I haven't checked in the last day or two, but I think horse racing went behind closed doors and I think there was a move now to knock that on the head because of these emergency services that need to be put on even around events like that. Um, you know, if you have people, if for example, you have, you'd need medical support at football games in case there was injuries for footballers per se, even if there wasn't any crowd there. So I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I really think we're now in a situation where it's going to have to be some, well... Radical probably underplays it, but uh, you know, hypothetically, there's no football played before now in June. Then, how do seasons get if you wait for a same player until June the 30th because of the contractual elements? A lot of players' contracts who are running out in this summer uh, are only until June the 30th. I don't see how, I don't see how you can put that in, and then you overlay. Well, how do you how do you play the European competitions as well? You wait for you know playoff games. I saw in the UEFA statement that the there was still an expectation they could play those in June, you know, the ones where the Norwich guys would have been playing later this month, uh, the Scotch boys, the Northern Irish boys, Slovakia, Republic of Ireland. 
<coughs> far too congested for me if, if we don't get any football before June that you can shoehorn this into June. So therefore, are you talking about changing players' contracts, changing the play at the summer transfer window? And do we go into July and August? Because I think we're probably going to have to... If it's if it if there's no other option other than we need to play these remaining games, then fine. But I think that's going to push us way into the summer because you know all the scientific advice tells you that um, the peak will probably only be May June anyway. So very hard to see how football resumes for me before July. In terms of full stop, because of the players, or are we just talking in terms of? fans being able to watch it and you know being normal football you know? no in terms of football full stop whether it's closed doors or not I just I just don't see how that could go on um, you know if the NHS is overwhelmed if we're seeing it already now you know no food in the shops and what have you you know you you extrapolate these trends six seven eight weeks down the line I just think in that context how can football resume football is immaterial and, and the, the, yeah. the only way there'd be people pushing for that is for me the top and bottom of it is because of the financial potential downside of not completing seasons. More so the Premier League, because obviously the Football League revenue isn't. But then with the Football League, it's about the gate receipts, isn't it? You know, we've seen numbers of clubs, sadly, job losses already at Barnet. I saw yesterday the non-footballing staff, they won't be the last club. Kings Lynn in our area, I see they've now actually come out. And the story we had earlier in, earlier in the well, start of the week, they're now saying they need about 100,000 to tide them through this period and they're appealing for money. Um, if if clubs outside the Premier League, their only revenue source, main revenue source, is gate receipts, then I, I don't see how that changes because there's no way fans will be allowed back in the stadia any time in the next, for me, probably two three months. So mm. it's, uh, it's there's no easy answers, but you know maybe there'll be more clarity tomorrow when the Premier League meet. But as I say, I think anything they say will have to be heavily caveated by we're now in as UEFA have said. We need to review this constantly and, and they will be guided by the science and the transmission rates and, and sadly the death rates. And, you know, I think everything we're hearing at the minute, this is a long-term problem and uh, we're going to be dealing with it probably for the next 12, 18 months. So in that context, playing football games in June, I think, is uh, pie in the sky. All right, well, we'll come on to um, what's happening at Norwich City in just uh, a few minutes. Uh, you and Connor have got a little bit of insight on, on that front, haven't you? Yeah. Um, I should just say, I probably should have said earlier in the show, but please do bear with us in terms of audio quality of the pod. We'll, we'll do our best possible, but we are, as I said at the top of the show, we're all in different rooms um, around the, sort of the Norwich area, so um, we're doing this over a video chat and, and recording it as, as best we can. So... So do bear with us to a certain extent. It's um it's unusual times. Um, I just saw a tweet drop into um my uh, Twitter feed, which I thought was quite funny. John Rogers, who um I'm sure many of you know, a uh, very very funny writer, did the Little Yellow Bird podcast. I think it was called, wasn't it? Um, he tweeted as much as I understand, it's not their fault. Dot dot dot. Seeing footballers gurning into the camera as they kick toilet rolls about is really pissing me off now. I think I can firmly get on board with that. Like <laughs> all the talk about toilet rolls, Tony, in terms of like the panic buying of it. Why have to- footballers decided oh. to kick toilet rolls around? Well, yeah, that was exactly my first thought when I saw it. I know it's a bit of fun, but I was thinking, what if they miss kick it and waste that roll? What happens <laughs> yeah. then? Straight into the toilet bowl. It's so t- that's one written off. Yeah. <laughs> the neighbours could. I, I, I think as with everything that happens there's always something that goes a bit 
viral that these celebrities try and get on board with to spread a message. So I guess you've got to try and look at the the message behind it if there is one. Um, but personally, stick, stick to the ball in the garden, I think. Yeah. Um, well, Norris put out a nice tweet this morning with a um, picture of Emmy Buendia playing to- playing with his uh, little son, I think it is, yeah, um, with uh, his toys and his partner, and likewise, Anil Hernandez holding his um, young baby as well, um, saying, away from football, it's always important to spend time with your nearest and dearest. As we were saying earlier, you know, it's a little bit more complicated than that at the moment, isn't it? You've got to be careful about exactly who you're spending your time with. And, of course, a lot of the Norwich players have put messages on social media. The last I saw was from Tim Krull, uh, who says, Keep moving and be safe, everyone. Help each other so we get through this crazy time together, with a picture of him doing some um, uh, individual uh, gym work, which I think is um, the BAS training, who a lot of the players seem to um, to do work with. Um, so... Yeah, the social media stuff, actually, Tony, while we're with you... Um, oh, sorry, Connor, we haven't spoken to you for a little while. I'm trying to keep this sort of bouncing between us all. <laughs> um, the the Leighton Orient social media account manager might just be getting a little upgrade, <laughs> because he, he has managed to create this sort of online FIFA tournament featuring loads of clubs. Yeah, and it's gone global, hasn't it? I think it's in Australia and um, oh. Denmark and... Oh, can oh. you... Might have lost Connor's uh, audio there. Right. Um, bear with. Have we got you on mute or something, mate? Um, you muted yourself, now. Connor. Just you take your earphones in. Technical out. glitch. Oh, it's because he's got wireless ones. You can <laughs> see they're wireless. Uh, what about now? Is that better? Oh, hello. Oh. I heard you then. Is that better? Oh. Keep speaking, mate. Keep speaking. Yeah, the, the only issue now is I haven't, got, I haven't got earphones in, so um, I'm probably going to get all of your audio, but um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, Leighton Orient's uh, Twitter admin, yeah, he's he's done well, hasn't he? Um, what is it, 128 team tournament, global, I think you've got Australian teams, Irish teams, Russian teams, um, Norwich as well, I think Todd Campwell is, is representing Norwich in, in that particular tournament, so um, yeah, a bit, a bit of fun, it'll keep the supporters engaged with football, I guess, if, if they can stream it online or um, give supporters an insight into perhaps or, or even give them the option of who to play, what formation to play. I think that's a, it's a really good idea, actually, and brings a lot of clubs involved in uh, in a particular thing that they can get behind at the moment, which I think we all need because um, certainly from, from my speaking, I'm, I'm missing that competitive edge from, from life. I think I'm, I'm getting close to sort of cheering the kettle when it boils, so um, <laughs> it's, it's not great. But uh, yeah, I, I think that'll that'll just help fill up some times. I've seen other clubs have started streaming like uh, old fixtures, so ninety minute games on a certain day every week. So I think I think there's there's going to be ways and means of getting a football fix. It might just be uh, a little bit, well, either virtual or um, a bit of nostalgia as well. So there's there's going to be a way of doing it, but it's going to be interesting to see because clubs have have got to be creative and. I suppose Leighton Orient have done that and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll all be rooting for Norwich in that tournament. I think they've got Fleetwood actually in, in the draw last night so um, we'll see how Todd gets on with, with Fleetwood. So yeah, that's FIFA keeping the uh, players and clubs distracted uh, just for a little while but um, Connor, Paddy, you um, did actually get a chance to um, head down to Colney and sort of catch up with what's going on at the, at the club and behind the scenes, didn't you? So um, early stages of everything of course but Pad, what was a sort of general vibe uh, well I mean basically DF uh, yeah one or two of the local media were down there and Stuart Webber was there and head of comms uh, a couple of other representatives from the CSF the charity partner 
the Soul Church, who they do a lot of work with as well, charitable organisation. And and really, I think the vibe from Norwich, um, and without wanting to plug what we, we've already done as an organisation, but the, you know, there's two strands to this story. There's obviously the you know the sad medical aspect of it and what that means for sections of the population, but probably more importantly, and I think that's where we are as a company now, it's protecting our most vulnerable in society, you know, the community aspect. We spoke uh, earlier about, you know, elderly people queuing up to get into supermarkets uh, early hours, you know, the, the last day or two the Prime Minister's talking about potentially 12 weeks of isolation for over 70s um, and we've got the I mean you're probably better served to talk than I am about this DF given you know you've, you've transferred over um, but they're here to help campaign isn't it yeah absolutely I'm yeah I'm still sort of getting up to speed with it a little bit well it's still being put in place really but we're looking at possible ways that we can help in the community the ways that we can publicize the things that people are doing in the community and that includes there's a there's a postcard being made made available where you can fill out your yeah. basic details if you want to then stick it through the letterbox of, of an elderly neighbor you know just as, as an example um you know my name's dave here's my number if you need somebody to get you some shopping or you know if you need some milk or sugar or whatever then give drop us a, a text give us a call and we'll we'll do what we can to help out so just trying to it's trying to fill that little hole of making sure that um, the vulnerable aren't being forgotten about because, you know, my grandma is fortunate that she had a grandson nearby uh, with the story that I told earlier on who could come round but be careful and get her phone sorted so she's not isolated. Not everyone has that, does that, yeah. do they? So um, that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah, just to come back. Yeah, so that's basically where we were in terms of the football club realised that they are this... Um massively visible uh, entity you know one club county one, one club city and, and it's what can they do how can they use their presence in the community um, to really raise awareness to do what they can you know there was talk about setting up food bank uh, sort of dropping off points at the club uh, and could we sort of do something as a company with that the collaboration there clearly the players you know we've talked about we've seen one or two bits from the players but because you know, if you're a Norwich fan, you're going to probably, as I said in the meet, in that meeting, you know, with the greatest respect to the Prime Minister, I think you're more likely to heed advice from Tim Krul is telling you something than uh, some, uh, you know, some government minister. And, and just ca- can the players be visible, whether it's on social, whether it's actually getting involved with some of the uh, charitable sort of initiatives um, and just using the power of, of the players and their social media reach. And, and that's really, it's almost joined up thinking was how I left coming away from Colney yesterday. It's just... You know, us, uh, Radio Norfolk, we're there, the football club, we're all within Norfolk, very well-established, um, very visible uh, organisations with, a, with collectively a huge reach. And what this is all about now is we're all in this together and, and can we look out for the less fortunate and the, and the more vulnerable and, and anything they can do, I think they're very keen to get on board. And it, and it really just chimes with, I think... How Delia is the figurehead at the boardroom level, and Michael Wynne Jones, and, and obviously Stuart since he's come in, and Daniel and the players, you know, they understand their responsibility to the wider community. They're not just a football club, they don't just go out on a weekend or a midweek and, and look to play to win three points and stay in the Premier League or get promoted to the Premier League. They understand their responsibility within Norfolk society, and they're very keen to live up to that, I think, through this period. And it, it's great to hear because, you know, as I say, I mean, they touched on. You know, they think they have upwards of 6,000 supporters, season holders who are in that over 70 category. What can they do for them as a constituency? How do they reach out to them? How do they make sure that they're all right? You know, it isn't just 
they see them as a transactional, you know, they turn up on a Saturday, they pay their money and their season ticket and that's it. They're, they're very keen, because we're in these unprecedented times, to do whatever they can as a football club with, with all their reach and, and, you know, the power that they've got uh, to get messages across um, to do what they can. And, uh, you know, the fact is they are quite proactive because it was them who initiated this meeting. So we'll see how that develops in time. But, you know, it's good to hear and it probably just reaffirms that at the core of that club, yes, fans probably have their grumbles and their gripes about finances or what have you, ownership occasionally, or too often for my liking, always rears its head. But fundamentally, that is a football club who understand their social responsibility and uh, that's good to see. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we're going to need lots of that sort of stuff. Um, strange times, you know. When it, you, every time you look at the EDP website, it's something else has been cancelled. Just before we recorded this podcast, Park Run, for instance, have just cancelled all all their events, which is no massive surprise. It's a gathering of hundreds of people in in close quarters. On uh, apart from the ones who roar out at the front and take it seriously and try and get uh, under twenty minutes, um, it's a close. Yeah. <laughs> It's a close group of um, people, so that they're they've suspended through, and they're not expecting to to allow their official events to um, begin again until after April. So you know, Theatre Royal closing in Norwich because uh, you, you know pubs are not sure where they're going with things. It's, it's a, on a day to day. We're having to check up on the sort of things that we are supposed to be doing, aren't we? So, um, in in terms of the football, then Connor, what what sort of things have we been uh, we've been working on? Oh, good question. Um, we've, we've had some stuff from uh, from Chris Sutton. To be fair, his his view on what he thinks should happen with the leagues, which was essentially um, he, he thinks the the table should be frozen. He said if if there wasn't the money involved that there is and and the sort of implications that would have on other clubs, then he thinks that that essentially would be the solution. So um, I think that that got quite a lot of attention online yesterday. He's, he's obviously someone who, who Norwich fans um, liked as a player. Was very popular player but he's a very outspoken pundit so I think with him you, you always get something that is going to get people talking or, or get people interested. Uh, similarly I mentioned the, the Tony Mowbray comments which again are quite interesting because he's sort of on the flip side of that and as someone who's involved with a club and who's sort of inside of the game I think I think that's interesting as well um, and then in a completely different dimension um, we've got a little bit with, with Peter Grant on the website as well this, uh, this morning. Um, which is him sort of reflecting on, on his Norwich City career in his own words, the mistakes he made and how he perhaps felt that he, he didn't use his time wisely. He sort of said that he was he was at the training ground at 6am in the morning and wouldn't leave until it was dark at night. So um, it was kind of his regrets about the Norwich job, some advice that Sir Alex Ferguson gave him, um, obviously resigning to Delia as well and, and how that situation panned out. So that's that's quite interesting to get his perspective on that. And uh, we have we've got plenty of other things uh, bubbling away, some some interviews and some chats with various people. So um, we're we're getting there, we're getting there. But obviously, as as I'm sure everyone understands, this is this is a dry period, and, and you have to generate stuff. So um, we're working our hardest to make sure it's original and creative and and interesting as well. Because uh, the I think the last thing people want is uh, particularly in a period like this when everything is so focused on one subject, and and perhaps people are looking for a bit of escapism of football is. Um, that we're not just sort of feeding in constantly to the situation. So we've tried to mix it up a little bit and, and get a good variety of stuff. And I think we've done that so far. So long may it continues, although uh, who knows what it's going to be like in, in four or five weeks' time, perhaps if, if, we're still, if we still haven't seen a ball kicked, which I would say looks incredibly likely. OK. Um, 
and Tony sort of digitally, we're um, we're just encouraging Norwich fans to sort of get involved, really. And we'll come onto this a little bit more in terms of what's keeping you entertained. But um, yeah, Tony's been sliding in DMs. <laughs> as, told you about as ever. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as you, as you've probably seen, we're we're just trying to have a bit more fun with uh, the social media side of things because obviously, as Connor said, people hearing the same things every day they're still looking for escapism which obviously football isn't there at the moment so yeah delving into the archives delving into the vast arch and picture archive um there's plenty of gold in there and and yeah just trying to come up with new ways to to get people talking not necessarily about what's happening now but memories from the past uh got a little not a quiz maybe like a little competition coming up this week um which hopefully will be something we can do sort of once a week with different themes. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a case of seeing what what people are enjoying, what they're getting uh, the most out of, and, and just trying to put your own spin on it, really, because, I mean, everyone can play FIFA. Um, we've just got to try and think of something else. <laughs> okay. um, right, well... Um... I should just mention, actually, before I forget, I will put a link to the Here to Help campaign that me and Paddy were talking about a minute ago. I'll put a link to that that in the description of the pod so you can find it easily. But you can find plenty about that um, on the EDP and Even News websites or in print as well. Um, OK, looking back on last week's pod, um, now, obviously, things moved on very quickly. We recorded on... Well, it went out. The pod went out on Thursday, didn't it? And then, obviously, everything completely was turned on its head on Friday when the football season was suspended until April at the earliest. Um, we're all expecting it to be longer than that, aren't we, at this stage? So, we introduced a new feature called the Pink Composer to the new midweek Pink and Podcast, which, <laughs> of course, is sort of a little bit on the back burner for now. We'll, we'll essentially try to aim to keep up to date with you. Uh, with one pod a week, I'll I'll try and remain involved as much as I can. Uh, you know, we're we're sort of in a little bit in limbo as to uh, how long I'll be on news, etc. But the poser was: if there was one game in your life that you attended, one Norwich City game that you attended that you could relive if you were given the opportunity to go back in time, what would it be? And we did ban Wembley in 2015, uh, the playoff final, because we thought there'd be loads of responses for that one. It was sort of a little bit too on the nose. And um, we had a couple of responses, but then uh, obviously they got overtaken and we weren't really um, pushing for, for responses. So Jamie Reeve agreed with you, Tony, in terms of that 3-2 win over Derby in 2011. The uh, Simeon Jackson, the place is going bananas, as um, Chris Gorham and Neil Adams said on the radio. And I did have one which is a little bit different from Dave Bishop, who emailed me um, and said, My Norwich City game to relive would be the home game against Palace on a Tuesday night. 24th of April 1973 can still see that winning goal going in. Now I had to had to check what this one was. Um, so that was the first season that the club had been promoted to the top flight. They'd been promoted in 1972, and that was a 2-1 win against Crystal Palace. 36,000 Norwich fans there, and essentially that win sealed the club's survival in the top flight in the first season. Um, knowing that they'd have a second season there and it was a late header from Dave Stringer Mr Norwich City or one of the Mr Norwich City uh, nominees certainly um, who scored a late header which uh, to that generation is is one that has gone down uh, in history so if you um, as we say things got kind of overtaken a little bit but if you um, 
would still like to contribute to that, then by all means get in touch with us on social media or, or drop us an email. But we will set you a new one, a new pink composer. We'll keep this going. And um, the thing to talk about right now is how you're keeping yourself entertained, isn't it? Um, whether that is a box set, a series, an album, whether you're digging out old books, digging out your old programs, pinkins, what is it that you're doing to keep yourself entertained during this unusual time? Um, boys, anything? I, I see this Marbles racing video has gone kind of viral, isn't it, Pad? No, I'm just thinking that Tony's just going, yeah. going buying random pasta, that's how he's entertaining himself. But, uh, <laughs> no, I've actually got a good one for this. Um, so I've sort of in the evenings um, found a sort of new uh, trash TV to keep myself busy. It's uh, Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares, delving oh, back into Is it that. the American version? Cause, I've been watching the British oh, the American one for now, but... hilarious because they don't get his yeah. they don't get his crossover sort of abu- yeah. abuse slash banter. Chef yeah. Ramsay, <laughs> they always say, Chef Ramsay, you're being too mean. <laughs> well, I I like the UK one, which is sort of normal and a little bit sort of um, sedate, and then the American one, like the intro credits are like two knives, like going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chef Ramsay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kitchen Nightmares. It's like completely dramatic, and the whole thing is just like on speed, isn't it? It's just mad. The editing, so, yeah. So that's that's the one that which, which is the one which uh, which you enjoyed so far. I've probably well, seen it. It, to be honest, it was probably the the first one I watched. It was the one. It was based in Sheffield because actually I used to live in Sheffield, so I knew where this place was. Okay. Um, and it was with just uh, the owner was obsessed with music, and the chef and him were best mates, but they fell out. And then suddenly, when Ramsey went in there, the chef just just turned and he started swearing like Ramsey. <laughs> it's almost like he he Ramsey brings out this in the people that have been bottling it up for 10 years <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he finally breaks them <laughs> yeah you no, watch programs like that and and you you think how do people get in such a state <laughs> like yeah. there's some when, certainly the ones in america when there's some like little hidden rust belt town or something yeah. and it'll be like some crazy old lady who's got um like Russian dolls on every single shelf and every single surface and she's like I don't understand why people don't want to come to my restaurant it's, it's creepy yeah. it's not been updated since the 60s or something but um, these places obviously survive somehow Connor how are, how are you keeping yourself entertained have you, have you resorted to marble well, racing not quite no not not quite yet although I've, I might get that set up in the garden actually that could work I've got a bit of a slope as well yeah, so that works quite good work it? in my garden actually um no, football manager, I think, is the name of me. Oh, take, take a day off, will you, South? I'll take a day off, well, mate. What, what year are you into as, now? As Daniel Farker will tell you, you can't no, take no. a day off when you're trying to <laughs> take a team to survival. Yeah. You know? It's 24 um, 7. <laughs> exactly. I mean, immediately now thinking, who can I sign for the summer? Well, the the question is, yeah. are you playing the diamond? That's what we want to know. Uh, no, not quite. I've, I've had to sort of. Go a bit Sam Allardyce because I, I took over at Reading halfway through a season. They were fighting. They were sort of in the bottom three. I've lifted them out of it, so we're now into the summer. And I'm sort of in recruitment mode at the moment, so just trying to get the squad as good as I can, probably for a championship playoff. Push, uh, are you self-funding or? Well, I did make I did uh, make the controversial decision to sort of release about nine players. Uh, so Chris Gunter, Gareth McCleary, all gone. Um, so that was that was quite brutal. I, I did a, a I'm just going to say that you took you took a page a out of the Weber playbook there, Connor. Mm. 
Yeah, I did, and and I have I've, I've gone into some obscure European leagues. I think I signed someone from the Romanian second division um, a couple of nights ago. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But yeah, just just preparing for a new season actually at the moment. So that that's how I'm keeping myself busy. For me, it is the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry David, if uh, none of you have ever seen it, creator of Seinfeld. Uh, I think it's season ten. It's sort of been brought back, but it's been absolute gold. Um, if you uh, if you haven't seen it before, it's a very um, unique sort of sense of humour in a way, and he is just—it's like grumpy old men, but everything winds him up. And he, at the start of each episode, it's almost slapstick because you can kind of see where it's going. It's like, oh no, he's going to do that. He's going to offend her. He's going to do this wrong. He just goes through life getting everything wrong, essentially, and um, it's 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 really funny. He's he's ridiculous. Um, but um, for, for fans who have seen it, it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. And uh, if you watched it, you'll you will get that reference. So yeah, that's one to binge on. Pad, what, just finally. Well, I mean, what, you what? know, if if you if you're looking beyond salvage hunters on Quest, then you need to have a word of yourself. Salvage hunters. You need to have a word of yourself. Yeah, every night I uh, like uh, old. Uh, what's his name? Uh, can't even think the guy's name now. Uh, oh, no, it's gonna craze me now. I wouldn't say I was a fan but basically we all know the premise I'm sure you might have stumbled across it as you moved on to the next Mm. channel it's basically this antique dealer based in North Wales who goes around the country looking what I like is he he clearly knows what Drew Drew Pritchard that's it good man he knows what he's doing and uh, he basically turns up and he's Mm. a poor unsuspecting characters who've had a a £6,000 mahogany table underneath a load of rubbish at the bottom of the garden. He goes down there and uh, I'll give you 250 for it, quid. And, and they think they're getting the bargain of the century. And then at the end, it'll say like what he paid for it and then what he sold it for. And his markup is like ridiculous. So I kind of like, uh, maybe it's my, uh, I don't know, uh, sort of negative part of my personality. I quite like him having people over. It kind of appeals to me. <laughs> so... Uh, Without them even knowing, it's the, the beauty of it is they don't even know. They think they're getting a good deal because they're thinking, oh, well, this was just at the bottom of my tip or whatever. And uh, I'm getting a couple of hundred quid from it. And then he knows full well that it's an antique piece of furniture uh, and can get about four figures for it. So, yeah, that's on every night. If anybody wants to find it, Quest about seven o'clock. And I think you can watch it on Quest Plus One, which occasionally I've done that. Oh, they're giving you yeah, a No, 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 not at all. No. <laughs> yeah, It's just a dick. It's that Quest... Like- Sounds like Branding the antique to roadshow for pessimists. Yeah. So yeah. rather than being yeah, yeah. rather than being pleased for people that they've got <laughs> that their, their, yeah. their long lost family heirloom has been valued at twenty grand, <laughs> you like seeing them done over. Oh uh, yeah, basically yeah. It's just <laughs> and it, but it's the interplay when when you're like they're having the sort of a bartering kind of phase and he's just you just if you've watched it often enough you know when he's playing them basically so he'll go. That needs a lot of work doing to it. This is wrong with it. That's wrong with it. Can't really... There's not much markup in it for me. I'll give you X. And then they snap his hand off and he's basically played them. So I kind of... Uh, yeah. So he's basically lied. Well, <laughs> he, would, <laughs> that, he would say that... I mean, that kind of probably relates to football transfer business, doesn't it? it well, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll give you X amount for Byron, um, you know... And then they're laughing once he's he's in the There's door. Possibly, a, uh, yeah, you, I can see where you're going with that TT. Yeah, yeah. So maybe what yeah. we need is, um, to be fair, Weber probably knows him because he's from North Wales, isn't he? So I might next time I speak to Stuart Weber, I might mention if he knows Drew Pritchard because, 
probably get you Trust, a signed picture. Well, yeah, even better. Trust me, if he was in Norwich's <laughs> recruitment pool, they definitely wouldn't be getting had over for any players. There'd be no, dare I say, uh, Ricky Van Walswiggle type, Stephen Naismith type deals happening with Drew Pritchard on the building, in the building. You've reminded me of an amazing show I used to watch when I was younger called Scrap Heap Challenge. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Scrap Heap. That, uh, that's probably on Quest as well. Yeah. This is such an insight yeah, yeah. into personalities. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, don't, I mean, if we got into Aussie Gold Hunters, then we'd be here another hour, so we'll move on. We'll leave that till the next week's one. Uh, on, on, wait, Dave, you said your, your mum's stranded in Florida. That's pretty. Yeah, pretty it could be worse, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're lucky enough. They've got a place in Florida, so they were over there. And um, at the time, they thought they'd be all right getting back, but obviously uh, things have accelerated quite quickly, haven't they? So, uh, in reality, I've been speaking to my mum quite a lot. She's very anxious and, and wants to get home, uh, mainly because of, of my younger brother, who is um, and for those who read my column on Saturday, is is on immunosuppressed medication. So we've got to be very careful with him. He very much falls into the vulnerable category of the the whole COVID nineteen stuff. So um, in reality, uh, he's probably going to end up stay, staying uh, with with me for a while, or, or we we might be uber careful and he'll sort of live at home as he normally does at my at my mum and stepdad's and I'll go in and out and sort of obviously keeping the social distancing as we we all know mm. but um he can't be on his own so they're supposed to get home uh they were supposed to be flying home on Monday but they currently don't know but I'm sure there's loads of Brits over in America so I think I think we are expecting that she'll be all right but as much as they're sat around the pool in sort of 30 degree weather um actually I think that there's a bit of a tinge of guilt and and anxiety for for them so um you know when 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 you whenever you've been on a long holiday there's always you always as brits we reach that point don't we where it's like i just want to get home and have a cup of tea yeah yeah exactly (laughs) particularly when your family are potentially in a little bit of danger so strange times indeed um right well thanks for the sort of digital meet up fellas um we'll have to do this again at some point i'm sure we will um best of luck with uh persevering with the sports stuff i'm now going to go and find out how norfolk's care homes are dealing with coronavirus yeah and uh, so, Connor, connor's about to go uh take reading into a brand new season <laughs> well no I've, I've probably got to put that on ice i've got a few things to do first sadly so uh my the medeski will have to wait I'm and i'm off to right. i'm off to see if salvage hunters is on at lunchtime yeah. <laughs> on that note okay, i might get in the kitchen then yeah well, thank you. Um, thank you very much for listening. Hope that that at least provided a, a little bit of uh, comfort, maybe a little bit of familiarity in in what is a as a strange time. Um, we will catch up with you guys next week. Of course, anything that's going on with Norwich City, any updates from the football season, Pinkner.com is the place to be. We'll keep you up to date as best we can, uh, and we will catch up with you very soon. <laughs>